0: And so, and whenever there's a chance, I really am happy to to come here. Part of the reason is, this is an assembly that, to me, is growing, it's changing, and you can see and sense the presence of the Lord. And it's something that I deeply enjoy. Now, my particular challenge this evening is that I really wasn't thinking about sharing from the Word of God, but I really felt that I should, because it's an opportunity that I don't like to waste. I appreciate what the bedroom before have said, and um, it's strange, you know, but the story that my brother just told about the church up in western I was sitting at lunch today and hearing the same discussion at another table. So I don't know what that means, what this spiritual might be saying, but there may be something there for us to, to look at. I didn't hear much because I wasn't really paying attention, but I did hear about the chapel and I did hear about the 10-acre field and did hear about some family giving them a lot of money and that sort of thing. Now, I hope I'm not speaking too quickly. Um... And I hope that you can understand me, that you will understand me this evening. Romans chapter 8, there's a wonderful little portion there that I want to read. And at times like this, you know, you almost feel you want to read the entire book, all over the book. But here is where we start. This is one of the portions that are foundational to what we believe and to how we operate. Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. The Lord is best into the reading of his word to our hearts, for his name's sake. Amen. I am particularly excited this evening because... In my audience, there are a lot of young people. And I consider myself not so much to be young, but to be young enough to remember what it was like to be young. And um, having said that, I want to say something this evening that I trust is going to blow your mind as a young person, the way it blew my mind when I was, let's say that's about, maybe about nearly as much as 30 years ago. It was a little kind kind of distant past. Coming into a convention in Trinidad, where I'm from, and hearing an older man, much older man, he would have been in his 80s then, a, a, a brother called Campbell Field. And he got up to speak, and I well remember him because he's so old and feeble and frail that you could barely hear him. And the next year following, he was again on the, on the conference platform, but he was so feeble he had to actually sit to deliver his message. And he started his message that evening with words that have stuck in my mind over all those years. And the words he said, and I tried to imitate him, He says, do you know what God was thinking about in eternity past? That was the question he asked. And I immediately sat up and tried to put a little distance between him and myself. Because I really felt that we would see lightning that evening. Because how could you, a man, try to explore the mind of God? You had to be crazy or looking for trouble. But I thank God for that experience because he took his time. And in his slow and measured pace, he went into the word of God and revealed the mind of God. And Mm -hmm. it has had an impact upon me that I trust that it will have upon you this evening. Because we heard already mentioned, what is there between the time that we saved and the time we go to glory? What's supposed to happen, what's supposed to exist there. And we thank God that we've heard already that the grace of God is what helps us and reveals to us and carries us through that phase. But I know, at least I think I'm, as I say, young enough to remember, that young people tend to get bored. And this Christian life can be boring. And I heard a brother this morning, he made in worship. He spoke about us coming here to the Lord's table as a matter of rote, just because it's what we always do. And it struck me that, you know, truly, that's what some of us do. But you would not believe. I've been thinking about this meeting, the morning meeting here, since I sat on that flight on, that was Friday, coming up here, looking forward to being with you to remember the Lord in his own appointed way because when we get here to the breaking of bread it's an opportunity like no other Jew that you will hear, have here on earth it's an opportunity to meet with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a way we don't meet with him anywhere else when in the fellowship of the saints we are able to focus wholly and solely upon him and that's something that should never be taken for granted and that should never become a, just a mere formality with us One of the critical reasons for that and why that is so important is this. If I were to ask, and I like to ask questions as I speak, and I'm going to see how fast I could finish. If I ask, how do we grow in the Christian life? What makes the difference? How do I progress from being a baby in Christ to being an adolescent to being a mature adult and capable man or woman of God? What makes the difference. What do I have to do? Some of us may think that what we need to do is to do the basics and to keep at them. And yes, there's some truth in that. And what are the basics? Alright, I'd like to quote my father on this one. Papa says the basics of the Christian life are three things. And the order is important. You have to read the Bible, you have to say your prayers, and you have to go to church. Now, that's putting it, as we would say, in local parlance. Indeed, we have scriptures for every single one of them, and the order is important. I read in one of the little handouts that you had this morning that the, the praying man will stop sinning, and it's also important that the sinning man will stop praying. But it is more critical, even than your daily prayer, to get into the word of God. Let God speak to you. That is what, and these are the basics of the Christian life. So you've got to say your Bible, you have to read the Bible, sorry, say your prayers, and go to church. Now, that is important. But there's something even more important that I'd like you to appreciate with me this evening in terms of us developing in spiritual things. And what is that? It is absolutely essential for us to see the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? The word of God tells us that we shall be like him. And what comes after that? For we shall read our Bible, say our prayers, go to church. No. It's for we, for we shall see him as he is. And that, my friend, is the secret to the Christian life. The more you see him, is the more you are going to be changed. It is the one thing that is guaranteed to change us as we read here to conform us into the image of his son if you don't see the Lord Jesus Christ forget it, you're not going to be going anywhere and that's part of the reason why our Lord's Day morning meeting is so important because it is there that he is revealed in all his glories, brethren would rise to their feet and hymns would be called and you would see things about that you've never seen before and every time you see him Little by little, we are changed as the word of God tells us from glory into glory into that same image. So always remember how important it is to see him. But let's get back quickly to what we, what we were looking at, which was, as young people, you can't get bored. What is the secret for avoiding boredom in your Christian life? I believe that what is required is for us to explore the mind of God. And to ask yourself the question, why did God do that? Did you ever ask that question? And really try to figure out what is God trying to do? Because one of the things in this portion we've read, we have told that there are those who are called according to his purpose. And if there's one thing that you could be guaranteed about with God, is that God has purpose. God doesn't just do something for doing its sake. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't just do things by chance. Every little thing that he does, and believe you me, he does every little thing. He is the God of details. He makes very certain about what he is doing. I like to illustrate it this way. When God made the lamb, what do you think he did? He just said, All right, Give me a lamb. Put something together and I'll call it a lamb. Didn't operate that way. Because he knew that he was going to call his son the Lamb of God. And therefore when he made that Lamb, that Lamb was custom built. Custom built to be able to represent the humility and the beauties, the purity, the innocence, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. That's the type of God that we're dealing with. And when we start to look at these things, they fill us with wonder. And you sometimes you actually have to say, Wow! That's amazing. That's the God that we serve. And you will never have a boring moment in your Christian life. Now I want to help you a little bit in this regard. So I want to leave you with a few questions. One of the questions is, what is the purpose then for the Great Tribulation? Because, believe a friend, we're very, very close. So close you may be surprised. There are some things that are starting to make us think that this month, September is going to start the time of Jacob's trouble. That's something I'm talking about tomorrow. So he will tell you if I'm crazy or not. But what's the purpose for the Great Tribulation? What's God really doing? And why is he doing it? Not only that, after the Great Tribulation comes a period called the Millennium. A thousand years of perfect peace. When the lion and the lamb will lay down together and the little child will play with the asp without any harm have you ever asked yourself what's god doing why do we need a millennium after he's finished with the great tribulation and mind you at the end of the great tribulation this planet earth is going to be hanging by a thread barely able to support life the air is polluted the water is polluted the land masses are disturbed the water is turned to blood, the trees are destroyed, the, the grasses almost disappeared. It seems impossible for life to be supported. And the question is, anybody remember when the new heaven and the new earth is? Anybody want to answer that? When is the new heaven and the new earth going to come? Is it after the tribulation? Is it after the millennium? When is it coming? After the millennium. So how then is this earth that is barely hanging by a thread going to support life in pounteous beauty for a thousand years? Believe friend, there's so much to explore in the God that we serve, in the wonders of his creation, and in what he's going to do. And some might think, hey, when you look at it, this is going to need some real divine power. And God is going to come and the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rearrange things and he's going to, to, to say the word and the earth is going to be restored. I'm not sure if it's going to happen that way. I believe that God has created the earth so well that it will recover itself. But these are things that we could look into. So the question I want to leave with you, the question, some of the questions are what's the purpose for the great tribulation what's the purpose for the rapture what is God really doing have you ever asked the question as, why is it I think we heard of some similar questions that this morning why is it that God didn't just destroy man after that one sin and it's so informative that all that was required was one sin not multiple sins just one sin and creation was cursed and death came and why did God not decide let's fool it all up let's start all over again? Any answers to that? I'll give you one. Let me give you one to think about. At least I'll answer one question. If God perchance had said hey I can't make it with this creation. Man has sinned, everything is spoiled. Let me start all over again you know what have happened? Our good friend, the accused of the brethren, would have said, you see? You failed. And if there's one thing that you could be guaranteed of, we sing it, our God never fails. And when we start to put the pieces together, what you're going to find is what you find in Ephesians that is going to take all the ages to come to explore the wisdom and the beauty and that same grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God that has been manifested so lavishly upon us. And I have to ask the question sometimes. And I don't ask it here. I'm glad I don't have to ask it here. But let me tell you a question I often ask. When I look at the Lord's people and I look at the faces, some of the faces are so glum and so depressed. And life is so hard that the question comes, why art thou being the king's child? so down or so gloomy from day to day it's not supposed to be like that our life, the life that we have in Lord Jesus Christ is a life of excitement it's a life of wonder it's a life of awe and amazement because of the glories of the God that we serve. So I trust this evening that especially the young ones among us are encouraged to walk this life to live this life to study, to show yourself approved. Because you're not going to get the answers by dreaming and by listening to this one and the other. You're going to get the answers by getting into this book. Get into it. Read it. And the Spirit of God is going to reveal the mind and the will of God and is going to start to show you the glories of our God and of His Christ. The Lord bless you. For His name's sake. Amen.